Music Publishing Podcast, Episode 1. This is the Music Publishing Podcast with your host, Dennis Tobensky. Join Dennis in his weekly nuts and bolts conversations with composers, performers, and other arts professionals as they navigate their careers as concert musicians in the 21st century. And now your host, Dennis Tobensky. Hello, and welcome to the Music Publishing Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Tobensky. This is episode number one, which I find really exciting, and I'm thrilled to have Alex Shapiro as my first guest. Alex is a composer and a simply amazing person. We've been friends for a couple of years now, and I knew that I wanted her to help me kick off the podcast. Appropriately enough for a show that aims to center around business stuff, we sat down on April 15th, which is usually tax day, except that this year Washington, D.C. decided to have a special little holiday all to themselves so that the rest of us could procrastinate for a few more days. Consequently, this year, tax day doubled as my birthday, which is fun. Like I said, Alex and I have been friends for a while, and usually when she comes into New York, often for an ASCAP board meeting, we manage to get together for dinner and drinks, or sometimes just drinks and more drinks, and we have conversations that go a lot like the one you're about to hear, but again, usually with alcohol involved. So for me, the great thing about launching this podcast with someone like Alex is that the conversation was so easy and so absolutely in character for the both of us. But true to form, with the whole this is a new thing and I'm still working out the kinks thing, some of the audio quality isn't so hot, so be forewarned and I beg your indulgence. But I think you'll enjoy everything that Alex has to say nonetheless. If you'd like to find links to Alex on the web and to a few of the things we talked about during the episode, you can go to musicpublishingpodcast.com slash mpp1 to find those. So, without further ado, here is the Music Publishing Podcast, Episode 1, with Alex Shapiro. Today I'm here with uh, Alex Shapiro, a wonderful composer and a good friend of mine. Uh, Alex, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about yourself and what you do? I like to say that I, I align little black dots in the hope that some of them will actually sound good next to each other. That's my motto. <laughs> so as a composer, I write in all kinds of voices and styles, and a lot of my work these days is electroacoustic, uh, where I'm putting live instruments with a pre-recorded track, pre-recorded in my case. Some people, uh, as we know, love to use live uh, interactive electronics um, and live triggered electronics. I usually use pre-recorded ones um, just because I'm just too uh, uh, too timid to fly without a net, so to speak, in case something goes terribly, terribly wrong in the performance and the laptop crashes or something. So I do everything pre-recorded. But I do a lot of acoustic music as well. Uh, I've got a great deal of chamber music in my catalog. But the past few years, in, addi in addition to that, I've been doing a lot of uh, electroacoustic symphonic wind band work. Mm -hmm. And that's because little bit of a signature and something I'm having a blast doing so and for which there's a really big market and it seems to be a market market filled with joy it's just yeah. a very happy working environment and and you know wonderful people to work with and people expand their sonic horizons and, and I'm just the person to do it because I'm a little outside the box one of my band pieces was a was a 12-tone piece <laughs> with an Afro-Cuban Latin groove underneath it. <laughs> nice. 
And I thought, oh, God, this is going to sell like four copies. But actually, it's become a really popular piece. So there you go. So message is right off the bat. I think my, my message to my, my friends and peers is don't ever not try something or don't ever listen to your inner voice of what you want to do that you might think is a little kind of out there or weird because chances are that's the very thing that's probably the most personal about you and most authentic about you that people will latch on to right so uh, i have so basically to sum it up i have a good time you know i'm just very lucky nice nice yeah i, I saw um the lesbian gay big apple core do paper cut yeah. Uh, back last year, that was that was that was fun, and and yeah, like were a little wonderful. off from the the typical thing. Exactly. Well, it's just so fun for any. That was a piece that was composed in 2010 for middle school, and it was actually the the first electroacoustic piece for middle schoolers. Oh, Pretty nice. cool, right? Yeah. And at the time, I was thinking, well, when I wrote it, because it's it's electroacoustic middle school and involves paper. It's called paper cut because I use paper, printer paper, as a percussion instrument that every person in the band plays in addition to their instruments. And uh, you can go online, go onto my website, alexshapiro.org, and look for paper cut there and you'll see what I mean because there are a bunch of videos of me showing how to do it and then a lot of performances. Anyway, I, I figured by the time I was done with this, it, you know, it's only about a five-minute piece, but I figured like three people and a dog were going to buy this thing, right? It was not. <laughs> and it turned out that not only did middle schoolers and high schoolers play it and college students, but then, you know, pro professional or regional or adult bands, mm. community bands, et cetera, were doing it. And it's so much fun to work with adults. I happened to be in New York when this band was uh, rehearsing. It just was mm. complete coincidence. And they said, come to the rehearsal. And I said, Absolutely. And to play with them, you know, tearing the paper and getting the, the rips and the timings just right. It was hilarious. We were laughing really hard. It was very, very fun. So, but it's it's great to deal with people of all ages, you know, in, yeah. in this kind of thing. But they, they're a wonderful band. They're, they're just yeah, great. They're, they're good. Uh, Watkins. Yeah, she and I went to school together, which was like... You're kidding. Yeah, yeah. What? She she was a grad student when I was in undergrad, which is like I found out she was the, the director there. I was like, oh, wow, cool. Um, That's great. So shall we jump into a little bit of businessy entrepreneurial talk? Kind of want to. I'm a jumper. Let's jump. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, I kind of want to set the tone for for the whole series by by talk by starting about starting talking about a bit of uh, just the what it is that drives us to to take on this. Um, all, all this business stuff that can be so terrifying to to other composers, and and maybe what what can make it a little bit less scary, uh, in in how you, how you get started and how you you don't have to just jump in feet first, even even though we're jumpers, um, you don't have to go whole hog with with all this stuff. You can you can be a very iterative process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what, I mean, so, so I guess tell what 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 drove you to to really start talking about. Um, all the business stuff and, and really doing it. I think what drove me to start writing about it and getting known for talking very directly about it uh, was as I was developing my career, which started in concert music, it started very late, relatively late. I, I was, let me give a little background to um, listeners just so At that least. they understand the context. I started out, I've been writing music since I was like nine, literally, I was a very short composer and writing crap music but nonetheless i was doing it. i loved it and i was 15 this is what i was going to do 
I went to conservatories, yada, yada. I got a wonderful, you know, education. But I was also at the same time working in the commercial field. I, I always did both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And when I moved out, I grew up in New York City. And when I left Manhattan School of Music and moved out to Los Angeles because I had a gig scoring a direct-to-video thing, uh, whatever. This is back in 1983, I think. Um, when I came out to L.A. and did that, I sort of ended up plunging right into the commercial music world because that pre-internet, right? Hard to believe. Uh, time, this is how to make money as a composer, and I was not writing the kind of music uh, that was uh, that for which I could get arrested, let's say, in the concert music world. I was neither uptown, you know, or downtown. I wasn't performance art, and I wasn't, you know, uh, you know, high academia. I was none of that. And and so, you know, I enjoyed working in the commercial field. Did that for a long time, and it wasn't until my late thirties. Okay, and I was about 37 when I decided that to shift my career to chamber music at the time. I didn't, I didn't, had never even heard of wind band music. My, my school didn't even have a wind band. So wind band was never part of my consciousness, interestingly, growing up. Uh, you know, I never had even been to a wind band concert. Um, I'm not sure if I would have known which, which part of the euphonium to point up, you know. <laughs> so, I'd never seen a euphonium. The New York Phil did not have euphoniums. <laughs> uh, what a great instrument too! I love oh, this. I love the instrument. But uh, anyway, so 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 the reason I say this is because you asked me what gave me the impetus to start talking about business with my mm-hmm. peers. It's really you know the question, mm-hmm. and I was forming my career kind of absolutely from whole cloth. I have to say, in the concert music world, in my late thirties. At a time when, fortunately, it was right around the late 90s. I mean, nine, yeah, the 90s, uh, 98, 99, 2000, right around there. All of this was starting. And we had the Internet all of a sudden. We had, obviously, desktop computing, but we had a way to connect around the world that, you know, 15 years ago, I certainly didn't have available to me. As I kind of figured out just sort of logically myself how I could write a lot of music that I cared about, for which I was not getting paid that first year. You know, these were just, I was able to live off of money I had made in the commercial world, and uh, which was not a lot, but I, you know, I had savings, and I could keep chugging, write a lot of chamber pieces, just small ones, because I figured those would be easier to get performed and out there, and that was a good calculation. And as I was plugging along, writing these pieces and putting my heart into them, and also developing a website, which I did myself, and realizing just by hit and miss what seemed to work in this wild new frontier of the internet, I I stumbled across just a lot of things that kept clicking. And as I wrote, and as the pieces got out, as I made wonderful friendships and relationships with the people I was in Los Angeles at the time, mm-hmm. uh, showing up, going to conferences, Getting uh, going to concerts, going getting to um, uh, getting very involved in volunteer organizations, arts advocacy organizations like American Composers Forum, et cetera, things like that. All of these things combined um, led to sort of a light bulb going on in my head about how to make this work in a very new version of the world because of a certain age, I'm 54 now, so 35 years ago when I was in school, whatever, obviously none of this desktop publishing, internet, you know, (laughs) self-publish, that was not uh, a reality for any of us. And we didn't have any sense of what our careers were going to actually look like uh, because the world just turned on here in, I think, a good way, but in a very challenging way. Mm -hmm. So 
here I am kind of unexpectedly just because I happened to end the concert world right as all this technology uh, became yeah. available to us. I was sort of at, at the mouth of the river exploring and figuring stuff out. And every time I figured something out that seemed to be working for me, that seemed to push a piece out there in the world well or get me more performances or get a commission or whatever, as I started to get paid for my writing, I had this deep desire to share my discovery with other people. Absolutely. <laughs> I felt like if I'm hitting my head against the wall, figuring this stuff out kind of for the first time, I just have to hit their head against the wall. I mean, that's just stupid. Yeah. So, and it's not like I was so brilliant or am so brilliant. I'm not. I, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, and I'll never figure this stuff out. But for, I figure whatever I do know, I want to share it with my peers, right? And Absolutely. because my attitude has always been, got this hair in my face. My attitude has always been that the more of us in the arts who do well, the better for everybody, the better for the arts, the better for every one of us, that we need to cheer each other, each other. And that's been yeah. the basis of what I do. So that's what gave me the urge to, to start writing about this stuff. Um, I don't do it often, but I do it, I guess, enough that I guess I'm sort of known for it between the the uh, articles here and there from New Music Box, uh, which is such a wonderful mm -hmm. online magazine. Oh, it's great. Uh, to the ASCAP Composer Career Workshops, which is how you and I met yeah. in New York when when I did one in New York, uh, what, four years ago or something? That sounds about remember. right. It, that was, that was a years. fantastic workshop. <laughs> I'm glad that, that, I, was that you guys did that. Yeah, me too, because of course we, we it was me, Jim Kendrick, and dear late Stephen Paulus. Mm -hmm and uh, whose brainchild it was. Yeah. So the three of us, we call ourselves the Three Musketeers or either that or Peter, Paul and Mary. Um, <laughs> we used to go around you know, and do all these and now Jim and I do it. Um, and we nice. love giving, it's really wonderful. And I talked about the tech stuff and the creative stuff and he gives this amazing uh, workshop within the context of our seminar, about 45 minutes on copyright law. Yeah. And it's fantastic. The six rights of copyright and all of all of the intricacies of copyright and contracts, and it's it's just great. So he's brilliant. Yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, I love sharing all this information, and I think it's so important. As do you, and you've done this on your blog a lot, Dennis. Yeah. Now in this podcast series, uh, to share information with each other about what it is that uh, that affects our lives and our happiness. You know, to me, it's not about money. It's about joy and happiness and yeah. a life that is holistically connected to everything around you that is going to be fulfilling because it's the only one we have. And it seems to be a very short ride. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And insofar as it is about money, that's to make to make more music and make more joy and, and to continue and, and not have such a fraught life of, oh, God, I have student loan debt or I have, I, you know, how am I going to, you know, keep the roof over my head and how am I going to put food in my mouth? That, right. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not about money, but the, but the money helps. <laughs> money is, money is freedom. This is what my father always said. This mm -hmm. comes up a lot in conversation. Money is freedom. It's options. It gives you the option. If you can, and I say this in the most recent article I just did for New Music Box, mm -hmm. uh, called Let's Fantastic. Make a List, <laughs> for their wonderful series on music making and money, uh, which is all this, this week. Uh, for the record, it's April 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, go back into the archives and the way back. <laughs> this is April 2016. Um, 
the the concept of money is 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 not to me it's not wealth and acquisition it's freedom options of what what projects i choose to take and what i don't choose to take having the option to buy the gear that i need or the new software or whatever mm-hmm. to make my artistic statement you know it's all i'm not a very acquisitive person i don't have a lot of stuff but i like to have the stuff i need to make my art obviously everybody does exactly. and um and that's that's the freedom of having a little disposable income to be able to do that. And so the the trick is, and I say this in this article uh, about living within one's means, yes. if, if at all possible, to avoid living with credit and having debt. And I mentioned in that article that student loans are an evil. I hope that we can find a way in this country to get rid of this. Um, but for now, it is a, it's a reality for a lot of people, and it's very painful. And there's a really good article that is linked uh, to from mine on student loans and the whole thing um, uh, that I think Ellen McSweeney, McSweeney did uh, a while ago, a year or two ago. Anyhow, it's worth reading. Um, yeah, but I, I, it's I read your article, but I haven't clicked through yet. Yeah, click through because it's uh, it's all really good information. And the bottom line is, if you can live within your means, you, you're going to be a lot happier, a lot less stressed, and a lot more able to do your art and also make your art more the center of, especially if you're going to try to make income from it, which you don't have to do, but if you choose to do that, it means you're going to have less demand on your time to have other kinds of jobs outside of music. So the other thing, and I'd love to pick up the camera and show you guys what it looks like out here. Um, I live on San Juan Island off the coast. Uh, Whoop, there we go. Hold on. Sorry, it's like rubbing your tummy and patting your back. I'll get this right, I promise. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) San Juan Island, I'm right on the edge of the sea. Right now it looks like you're on the Titanic, I know. Yeah, I would turn my camera around, but it, you'd see a very dirty kitchen. <laughs> Dude, setting this up, I thought, I could do this in the office, but you see a bunch of garbage. Or I could do it in the, in the kitchen where you can see my books. Or dirty dishes if I turn the camera around. <laughs> we all have books and dirty dishes and a, and, a, and a cat litter box that needs cleaning or something. That's all part of it. But the reason I wanted everybody to see this is just because I'm an example of someone who grew up in New York City, grew up in Manhattan, then moved out to Angeles, was living in L.A. for 24 years. And then about uh, nine years ago now, in, in 2007, mm-hmm. I had the brilliant idea to move up here, which is paradise. It's heaven. If for someone who likes this kind of thing, it's not yeah. for everybody. Mm-hmm. But if you are the kind of person who's, who does really well with wildlife around you instead of people, <laughs> as, gregarious, as gregarious as I am, I actually prefer the foxes and the whales. Um, but if, if this suits you, call half the price of living in uh, a big city, right? Yeah. So be, because of the internet, because of cells, because of everything you know, around us, all the technology, we can live, if you're not a performing composer, you know, you're not waving a stick at somebody as a conductor, and you're and you're not you know sawing away at your instrument. If you're if you if you can just make your life sitting in one place, pouring out the sonic chaos from your head and the hard work of bringing it to life, um, then you can live anywhere, and that anywhere can be a huge change on a positive change on your income stream and your your budget and your and what it costs you to live. 
and boy, it's it's like a weight being taken off of you. It's really, really nice. Uh, so I always I mention that to people to get them to think kind of creatively outside the box about what the possibilities are for where they could be living. You know, it doesn't have to be L.A. or New York anymore. It could be there are you make your own center. Uh, you can live truly in the middle of nowhere. This island has no bridge. This is I'm up on the upper upper left-hand corner floating off the coast of Washington state. Oh, right over there over my shoulder is Canada and about, you know, three, four miles on the Canadian border. And so you can't get more remote in the U.S. than this, really. And, uh, you know, other than Guam, you know. <laughs> so, and so, you know, I feel like I'm the guinea pig in a sense for being able to tell you with assurance, you know, even stuff, you can do this. Anybody can do this if, you know, if they are envisioning their career a certain way. You don't have to be in the middle of the musical literati world, you know, standing right there in Lincoln Center every day to have a career in music. Yeah, so that's pretty mind-blowing, actually, because when I was coming up, you did have to be in the middle of Lincoln Center. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, with you, you get to think creatively about how you're going to live your life and not the, this uh, this linear path that we, we used to like have to we, we had to follow this is what you did you move here you you write this you win this prize and then da, 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 and then you are successful now you can you know go go live on an island somewhere and and be just as if not more successful and not have any prizes or degrees or any of that i mean i i have done everything wrong you know if you look at the textbook way that people would have a career i i i cannot do those boxes <laughs> i've like blown it <laughs> I'm a failure, but but I'm a really happy failure. Yeah. Uh, so, I think the failures so, usually are like often happy when when it's like your sort of failure. <laughs> it's a happy failure. It's a happy failure. It's like just saying, you know, there are there are so many ways to define your life and to define success and to, mm -hmm. to define happiness, um, to be fulfilled. And whatever the formula is for every individual, and it's not going to be the same for me, you know, everybody's got their different fingerprint of what matters to them. Mm -hmm. But if you can, you know, be still enough at one point or more in your life to think about and to divine what you want your life to look like, what really would make you happy, without thinking about what other people say should make you happy, yes. right? If you can get the word should out of there and shut out everybody else's expectations, about what they think you should be doing, you know, and just listen to your heart and say, what would define happiness for me? And you're, you're on the, you're on your way. Um, it's different for everybody. Yeah, and, and because of the freedom we have now, thanks to the technology, we can make these choices and make these, make these decisions that I don't think we could have made at least not very easily 20, 25 years ago. Um, yeah, it's just a very different thing. Yeah, the landscape is so changed, and yeah, we're, there is no formula at, at this point. There was, mm -hmm. but but the formula's gone. Everything there's been such such a sea change in in the the whole industry that now we we can. I think there is now the freedom to to say we are different composers, and we all we all we, there's not the the stylistic. Uh, sort of camps that we, we had that were so deeply oh. entrenched. Now, whatever style you want to write, that that is what you do, and you don't have to write in one style. It's it's your style. It's your career, and the path forward for you is like not the same as the path forward for the next person. And 
and anybody who says that there's one path, like, like they're, they're, they're probably trying to sell you something. <laughs> there you go. They're just not very creative, you know, they're just listening to what they learned when they were in school 30 years ago instead of looking, you know, around them. There's so yeah. many paths. And I always say this, that there's never been a better time to be a composer, much less any kind of artist, than now because of all the paths. Because there isn't one way or two ways or four specific ways that you are allowed to be approved of in your music making, you know, by the critics or by the audience, whatever. You know, now there are just, it's whatever you do well, whatever you do, whatever you do from the heart, whatever, however that comes out, that's what people respond to. You know, yeah. excellence. Excellence is what we seek in ourselves, hopefully, and in, and in the art around us. And that can be expressed in so many different ways. I just love this time that we're in because it was, it's very different than the time I grew up in, mm. uh, where it all, it all goes. You know, anything you want to do, as long as you do it well, uh, you can you can get it out there. That's a marvelous thing, and it's a marvelous thing for the consumer of art, which we all are. You know, to go to a concert and know that if it's well curated, you're going to hear a lot of different things on that one concert, yeah. and a lot you know a lot of different approaches. How marvelous! I know, so. and and to be able to, to 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 like to go out and you know, I mean, I'm going to shill for one of my, pro my my projects right now. To start like to be able to like be a, a you know, a not wealthy at all composer in the, you know, in Queens, starting a record company and, you know, just, you know, I just put out an album like two months a ago. Beautiful and I have album. Plans for I'll show for your album. It's beautiful. <laughs> and, and I have plans for like, uh, you know, the my business partner and I, we have plans for five more over the next several years. That, that, that would be unheard of. That's right. Uh, like 20 years ago. I, I wouldn't even think that it would would have been quite so possible even yeah 10 years you wouldn't have ago. had the, the album you wouldn't have had the distribution channels that yeah. you have to get it out there and to get it heard um now the downside is it's hard to make a lot of money off of the current distribution channels mm -hmm. as we know yes. uh, digital has brought with it a, a two is a two-edged sword Absolutely. because on one hand it's fantastic for getting our work out into everybody's hands all over the place on the other hand it's not fantastic for getting paid and this is a huge, 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 huge issue, and it's not going away anytime soon. And no one has cracked the code yet about how to how to fix this. No, uh, it's it's a very serious problem. But nonetheless, in terms of getting them, it becomes the tail wagging the dog. Where for the time being, if we can't make a lot of money in, let's say, mechanicals or in streaming and all the things where we, uh, hopefully, that will change. Yeah. Uh, if but for the time being it becomes advertising, right? It becomes the publicity for the work you do. And by people hearing the stuff that they're not paying much money for, if anything, well, it's not good they're not paying money, but it is very good that they hear what you're doing and will end or you know, performing your work and you know you get your income from other usages, in a sense, exactly. of recording. It's, uh, it's not perfect. I'm not saying that's how it should be, but at least there is that give and take with mm -hmm. how it all pieces together. And one of the things that I talk about in, you know, in that article I just did for New Music Box is, is creating the flow of events in your life, yes. the flow of stuff that's out there in the world that's coming back into you in different ways. Some of it is oblique, some of it's more tangible, some of it's more direct, but it, it creates, you have enough of a weather storm. I call it a personal weather storm. I don't <laughs> think I use that term in the article, but that's really what it feels like. Yeah. You're creating your own of um, 
of a swirling activity with a lot of different projects, a lot of different people. And so it ends up being a sustainable thing every month. Uh, it takes a while to build up to that. You don't just roll out of bed one day, decide you want to be a composer, and boom, <laughs> there's all that swirling activity. You know this very well, right? It takes <laughs> a long time of developing, you know, not only your catalog, but the relationships and being out there in the world. But once it kind of hits critical mass, and again, that's different for everybody, whatever, you know, when, when you get liftoff, when you get the right velocity to leave the ground, <laughs> which is different for whatever size plane you're in, right? Yeah. Uh, when, when, when you get liftoff, it's an amazing feeling. And, and then the trick is to sustain it and just make sure that everything is self-sustaining or many things can be self-sustaining and that the passive uh, rewards, the passive income from certain mm -hmm. things keeps coming in. Um, it's, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. Things that we could not have gotten this custom going on 30 years ago. You know? Yeah. And and with uh, with also with the album, one reason we decided to do it, uh, and what like, there there are seven of my songs at, at the very end of it. You know, I'm not going to make a ton of we're not going to make a ton of royalties on this. It's not you know it, we knew it wasn't a, a money making venture, but it does have those those mm. secondary uh, benefits. Like maybe people will want to buy the score mm. to those songs, or maybe they'll you know hire me to sing some more or they'll hire Mark to play piano for them. Like it, there's so many different, you know, and that just, that's just like a few things, but that's there's so true. many They're ways that it commission can... you for more music. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Which, please, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all interconnected and, uh, no, that's a beautiful album. It's a very beautiful thank you. album. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and sort of with that, uh, you talk about, in the, the article, you talk about the different different forms of income that come in from from your, the ownership of your copyrights, mm -hmm. right. and uh, that you know with with the album, I, I'm getting a royalty as a performer and as a, as a composer, and we're paying all of our composers, you know, a, a mechanical uh, royalty, which we should. It's 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 good business, and it's you know le it, it, you know the legal thing to do, um, but that's part of their what they own in in their in their music is they can they can license that those me mechanical rights and i like that you you know make that list of, of all those different bullet points of of ways to to sort of slice up your copyright um mm -hmm. i was saying before we logged on there's uh this uh novelist uh gene wesley smith whose blog i have followed for years now and he and his wife christine catherine rush uh both blog a, a ton about the the book publishing industry which at this point i know far too much about and uh he he frequently talk you know talks to writers about uh what he calls the magic bakery uh mm -hmm. every morning a baker goes into his shop he bakes his pies and his cakes and everything and he puts them on the on the racks and people come in and they buy them and the next day he has to go in and bake more it he's constantly having to do the work to renew his his uh his, his inventory his inventory that's the word um and 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 we as composers have have this wonderful ability with this magic bakery where when we bake a pie when we write a piece it's and you know it's not that somebody comes by buys a copy of it and that's it we can you know we can keep selling copies of the the score we can do you know mechanical licensing for recordings we can do sync licensing if so if a filmmaker you know happens to like it and you know all the different performance and various royalties and, and forms of income it it's 
kind of a great thing. Not kind of, it's a great thing. <laughs> it is a great thing because the pie never disappears no matter how many people eat it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm hungry having this conversation. <laughs> I like pie, um, but it never disappears. As opposed to, I always think about this regarding uh, visual artists and let's take a painter. I have a painter in my family who's done incredibly beautiful work that's all over my home. And, um, and you know, when she sells a piece of art or gives it away, mm. you know, um, she'll never see it again. Yeah. Right. I mean, she can take a picture of it, but that's you know, picture of an eight foot painting is not going to uh, do it justice that you don't get to nobody else except where that painting actually is. And if it's in someone's home, only the people who enter that home are going to see it and enjoy it. Um, you, you, you have to, you have to part with your art in a way that I would find painful, actually. Oh, and the great thing, I mean, it's like, my baby. <laughs> but the great thing about music is, I think I could part with a baby easier. <laughs> <laughs> this, folks, is why I have no children. Just kidding. Okay, so, but, but the, um, the concept with music that, you, you know, you write all this music and you can always hear it. Other people can always hear it. They can always play it. Everybody has it. Um, and yet, if you own the right to it, if you own the copyright to it, if you are the publisher of it, if you own the sound recording copyright, et cetera, et cetera, then you can not only have it, but you can share it with the world and you can also make money off of the usages of it. And what a great thing that is. Oh, it's, uh, it's That's a beautiful system. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, we still need to, uh, I think, get copyright law up to speed for the digital age but in in the meantime oh, we still got that's, some, a, that's a big conversation yeah. <laughs> um, that's a big, big conversation people want yeah uh, but i think i think things will i think things will change one way or the other i mean yeah. one of the things that no one can anticipate is just as technology has changed so much in the past 15 years uh where's it going to be 15 years from now Oh. And how are we going to be consuming content? And, uh, you know, the, the issue with copyright, of course, is that regardless of the format, regardless of how you're consuming it, it is still the intellectual property of the person who created it, if it is, you know, if it is theirs. And it doesn't matter if you're just poking your finger up in the sky to get it, you know, if we no longer have devices, which I think is possible, we won't be having devices like you know phones and things that we're holding and poking at we're, we, you know even google glass and all that the prototypes like prototypes like that yeah we're on to implants we're on to wearables we're on to mm -hmm. completely different much more um user interface uh, uh what do you call it? zero use, user interface zero mm -hmm. ui stuff and we have to anticipate that but the but the principle we anticipate it in terms of how our content how our music is going to be used and consumed but the print should never change and that's the hardest thing to protect yeah it's the hardest thing and we have to start thinking ahead since we sort of missed the boat with the digital no one really thought ahead enough i don't think to to figure out how to protect it as it's being as your files are being disseminated all through you know uzbekistan yeah, uh, yeah. how how do we now think ahead another 15 years or more mm -hmm. and think in terms of protecting our content and and limiting usages or, or money or something of value exchanged for the usages exactly. something of value beyond exposure mm -hmm. one you know i wrote an article that i linked to in this one called uh, the economy of exposure publicity as payment question mark mm -hmm. and i uh you know, i kind of delve into that one 
because uh, it's, it's a very unfair statement much of the time when someone who should be paying you says in so much exposure. Yeah. You know? Well, great. That's not going to, I can't say that to my landlord. Yay, I'm yeah, I'm getting lots yeah. of exposure. Here, have some. <laughs> I'll pay like my rent with that. <laughs> Doesn't I work. I like to say, you know, well, you know, people die of exposure. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, but we got off, off the topic a little bit. But yeah, I, you know, in the article, I just, I uh, delineate and I invite people to go on and you know read it and share the article. Just the basic 10, 12, 15 different things that are income streams from the ownership of a copyright, which is which is pretty cool. Although the or another ways to earn income directly related to your music making, as opposed to and I list another list that I start off with of all the ancillary careers in music, mm-hmm. not all of them, but many you know, just a start start off list. People are going to add to these. Uh, there are a lot of really cool ways to make a living in music. Yeah. And you can mix yeah. and match, and you know, one from column A, from column B, from column C. Exactly. But I was particularly focused on how can you actually make money from the, from your head, you know, and from and from you being you. That's yeah. uh, that's really um, fascinating to me. So <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's a much bigger opportunity. There's much more opportunity than a lot of people think there is, and it's that's why it's so important for us to have these conversations mm-hmm. because so many people are convinced they just convince themselves or society has convinced them whatever that they can't make much money if any doing their art and that leads or shouldn't right they were they should feel guilty about it somehow it's selling out i mean i think all of this is finally we're passing passing that stage where people would think that but there are still people that i know that because i see them online um but you know if you, it always gets back to um, state of mind, mindset. If you are, and this is true with any aspect of one's life, not not just music making or art making, but just being a person. Yeah. If you're, if you're a negative person, if you're if you're destined to always see how something isn't going to work out, <laughs> or someone isn't going to be nice, or whatever. If you're always expecting the worst, guess what? Your it's, likelihood it's for happen. having that the truth is much much higher right um and if you walk around as i call myself the blithering village idiot who's incredibly you know happy and hapless if you walk around like me thinking there's there's opportunity and possibility in very in a lot of things around i won't say everything i'm not that much of a village village idiot (laughs) but there's opportunity in an awful lot and i know you feel this way dennis absolutely when you walk around like that and when you see the best in people, and when you see potentials for for you know collaborations and all kinds of you know fun ways of, of of creating something out of whole cloth in your life, chances are really much much better that that's in fact all the good. And it happen it it comes with vision, just having a vision of what you want your life to look like and what you think you deserve, and that goes to a much bigger topic that you know, I don't have the PhD to be able to help anybody with, but it has to do with the sense of self-worth. And I talk about that in some of my articles because all of the stuff that we create, if we do want to get it out there into the world, whether we're paid for it or not, but if you if you want to promote your work and have other people enjoy it, no matter what kind of you know art you're creating, the bottom line is you have to feel good about it. You have to feel good about yourself. And you have to have esteem and self-worth, right? Absolutely. That is the launch pad for how you speak about the art that you do. 
you know, that you don't have to be apologetic about it. You don't say, oh, I've written this, but it's really not very good. You know, how many people hand you a piece of music and say that? I've heard, I've seen a lot of people do that. You know, I did this, but it's really not very good. Or I made this recording, but there's a whole bunch of mistakes. Like, don't tell me that. Do let me just enjoy your recording. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to slap them. You know? I, I, st- I still do the same thing. That, that's self-deprecating. Oh, it's, uh, right. but it's, uh, it's like, no, shut up. It's, no, it's you, you it's put like a here. lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this, so. My attitude is, is I have the, you know, a CD, the, my, my stuff, I'll say, here, I'm proud of it, but you, I don't expect you to like everything on it, <laughs> but here, enjoy. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be apologetic for my work. It's like, I just, but I, I certainly don't expect everybody to like everything I do. Um, so that's, it, it, the mindset of self-worth, a sense of pride, and not being apologetic, and that goes into putting your work out there, and it very much, back to business, it very much has to do with getting paid for our work if we choose to. Now, it was very important that I put on the, in the beginning and end of this most recent article, mm-hmm. the credo, the fact that we are all equally wonderful you know, musicians, people, yada, yada, whether we make money from our art or not. That is so important because, I don't know, but the conversation... And some people feel like you're saying, gosh, unless you're getting paid for your commissions, you know, they don't count. They're not, you know, people, your music doesn't yeah, count. You're, you're, I, you're there's nothing farther from the truth. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's painful. And no, everybody is equal. It's just that for those of us who are choosing to try to make a living doing what we do, at that point, uh, because yeah. we're looking at yeah. ways to do it. But it's all equally wonderful music. You know, mm-hmm. the person who doesn't get paid for their music and the person who does, money has nothing to do with the quality of their music. And it yeah. can't be stated enough. Yeah. yeah there, um, there's, there's but back to. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You were saying something. Oh, uh, um, I was just say that there, there's music that is more, you know, positioned to, to make money to, to have the, a, a more right. greater popularity whatever you you know and and will probably be positioned to earn more there's there's music that is not going to have quite as large of an audience and might not it's still equally uh high quality music i mean th- i think that's 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 what we expect that if you put your music out into the world that you have the technique you have the the chops to do it and uh, you know just it's going to be high quality music, whether yeah, whether it's this type or that type, whether you choose to to pursue the you know the business side of things or you choose not to, whether exactly. you choose to and you don't make money or you choose to and you do, it's all you know I, the, the bottom line is the music. It's it's, it's yeah. not about the money. Money is the ancillary thing, yeah. you know that. Um, and again, it's you know if you choose to make money from it, then then that's when your sense of self worth and your sense of pride in your product, in your content, in your heart-created product, because you are the product Mm -hmm. that you are putting out there. The music comes from your heart, just your brain. It comes from who you are as a person. And so you're really selling yourself in a very pure, soulful way, because no one's going to sound like you. Everybody sounds different. Everybody has a different ism in their music. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly in art music, you know, and, and there's other kinds of craft oriented music where we, we're asked to be chameleons and sound like other things. And that's a fun task as well. Yeah. But with art music, you know, it's all about you and, and your personhood. And so that's what you're selling, but you can't sell yourself 
in that very heartfelt way. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't mean in a crude way. You can't do that. <laughs> into, uh, you know, then we get into an illegal conversation. Right? <laughs> yeah. How can composers make yourself. money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are lots of ways to make money, baby. Yeah, 7th yeah. Avenue and 42nd. <laughs> you can't sell yourself unless you feel really good about yourself, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and it's not that we have to be feel always great about ourselves, but you have to have the, the general sense of flow and pride of, mm -hmm. this is what I've slaved over, yeah. and I hope that somebody... Uh, you know, my attitude is I, I never expect you know, huge numbers of people do dig or enjoy what I do. I'm always delightfully surprised when larger numbers mm -hmm. you know, do, but I'm very happy. It, it's worth me rolling out of bed and putting notes on the page. Mm -hmm. If just four people in the world yeah. will hear what I'm hearing in you know, yeah. just a tiny number. Then, you know, when you get that one email from somebody who has written you something wonderful about how your music has mm -hmm. touched them. Oh my gosh, that just makes my day. It yeah, makes yeah. my week. That's all I need is just to hear from one person that's like, oh, it's, and I, I, I make it clear to them how much it means to me, too. Um, I always I love those conversations. Oh, absolutely. So, and I always encourage them, if you like somebody else's work, let them know. You mm -hmm. know, go up to them or write them an email out of the blue, even if you don't know them, because more often than not, people do want to hear that. It does matter to them. You know, we all tend to be kind of shy, but I think it's a really nice thing to reach out to somebody and tell them how, how much their work um, has meant to you yeah, or a certain piece you know. it's and it's worth more than most of you know like pretty much any of the the awards that you might get like to have people reach out to you that you've actually touched you've actually like they, oh. they responded to your work and they've they they've taken time out of their day to tell you there there's more that's, that's, to, to that's the best that reward it, it feels better than, I mean, maybe not better than like a Pulitzer, but <laughs> like the big ones might feel great. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll know. Um, I think they're probably, they'd both be good. Ultimately, the, you know, the, um, the personal contact is more self-sustaining. It's it, more, it is. it's, you know, there's it something more not to disappoint. Artistically. To have reached, to have reached someone's heart to the point where they're going to reach out to you, um, you know, and, and, and tell you that. That's um, that's a very wonderful uh, byproduct of what we do. That's uh, yeah. just it's a great thing. So we're very lucky as musicians because it, what we do uh, tends to welcome contact with people out of the blue like that. Yeah. You know, if you if you're, you're a dentist who is known for your great root canals. Not that many people might be contacting you out of the blue saying, wow, that yeah. was wonderful. We all need dentists, and I have great respect for dentists and dentistry. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a different kind of work, right? Mm -hmm. We're creating art that enhances people, people's lives, yeah. uh, that is, uh, is necessary in a different way than a good root canal is necessary. <laughs> they're both necessary. They're just necessary in different ways. Exactly. And uh, I don't know how we're getting off on this funny contest, but... <laughs> Anyway, I love it. People watch it. Oh my God, it's just nuts. But, uh, but I think you know everything. It all has to do with human contact, and yeah. for me at least, not not for everybody. There are plenty of composers who are quite solitary and mm -hmm. and you know don't really care uh, one way or the other what other people are relating to or not in their work, and that's perfectly fine. There's no yeah. right answer. Exactly. You're you, you're your for own me, composer. For me, about communication. Exactly. 
So another thing you you talk about that I, I really 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 liked uh, in in the article um, was finding a, a balance. And when I saw the heading "Finding a Balance," I really yeah. thought you were going to talk about like work life type, you know, balance. But I I I, I really like what you had to say about finding. In, in the in what you write, you can find a balance between. Um, I, I immediately thought of like Copeland, of the you know how we see him in two different ways. There's the the populist Copeland, and then there's the 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 more um, you know rugged uh, modernist Copeland. Mm-hmm. And you know, reading biographies of him, uh, I, I read every one up to a certain point, and then I had. <laughs> um, they're, they're, <laughs> I, I love the man, but uh, at a certain point, it's too much. Uh, but what was one of them posited that there was a sort of a one for me, one for you mentality to the way that he 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 did things, where he would do like Appalachian Spring, and then he'd turn around and do something more in the modernist vein, and and he clearly did, you know, like I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't a, a, a exact, you know, tit for tat, but um, I think that that really that that came to mind with that. Of you can do both things, you can do different things, and it's still all you, and it's you you find you. your balance yeah. and screw everybody else. Absolutely, and I mean that's the joy in it. I, I write in a lot of different styles, and I I apply different styles and different influences to different pieces mm-hmm. and different and different projected audiences for those pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's a great joy. It means I'm never bored. You know, I use the food analogy in my article about, you know, you, you do takeout Sichuan one night and you make French onion soup the next night and, you know, it's sushi the next night. It's like, it's all good. No one would criticize us for cooking or eating in a lot of different um, palates. And, uh, you know, those of us who are gourmands, I love to eat. And uh, uh, I love different kinds of food. I don't want to eat the same kind of food. Why shouldn't it be the same in our art? And I've never understood that. Why do people yeah. feel like, and for a long time they did, I don't think, I think this is going by the wayside as well, fortunately, with time. But they, it, it, there used to be the sense of you had to be branded and sort of write in a certain way and just always be predictably writing in that style to be you. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, just like I wear different clothes every day for different yes. different uh, different things I'm doing and different food, it's the same thing with your musical tastes. I mean, you know, many of us write in all kinds of genres and uh, and do it simultaneously. And what what better way? And then, as I as I said in the in the article, one can subsidize the other, as you said, Dennis. That some are going to fly off the shelves and others not so much. You know, your contrabassoon sonata is not going to fly off the shelf. Yeah. It's going to be a fabulous piece, mm-hmm. but it's not going to sell you you know a thousand copies. Um, good luck finding a thousand, you know, recital-oriented uh, contrabassoonists. Uh, not that they don't exist, but it's just harder to find. Them. Yeah. Uh, but you know, your wind band piece or your choral piece or whatever, those are going to sell in big copies, and they're all equally you. It's all your voice. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I've never understood people's reluctance to embrace all influences, all kinds of mm. um, all the corners of their hearts and interests. And it, no, it doesn't mean we don't do, let me say, that was going to be a double double negative. It doesn't mean that we do each genre equally well. No. For instance, I really love pop songwriting. I've been writing pop songs and indie rock songs for a really long time. Mm. Are they decent? Sure. Are they great? No. And I know that. 
I know that very well, but it doesn't stop me from doing it because I love to do it, right? It's yeah. like my hobby. It's one of my music musical hobbies. But at least I'm, I'm wise enough to know that that's probably not going to be my bread and butter. I shouldn't like go to Nashville, knock on doors and expect great things to happen. <laughs> so, but I'm having a good time doing it, right? So it's like that kind of thing. Be honest with yourself about what you're good at, right? Yeah. Be, be brutally honest with yourself. But have a great time doing everything. And, and it's very likely that that sensibility, you know, that in my case, you know, absolutely, you can hear some of my pop sensibilities in mm-hmm. some of my pieces. Mm-hmm. And in that context, it works really well. You know? yeah. So it's because it's authentically me. Same thing with my love of jazz. There's a lot of jazz in, in my work. Um, my most recent piano suite, which is about a 25 year uh, last month called Arcana. Um, big piano piece, eight movements, and uh, there's a lot of jazz influence in there in the context of a of a concert music piece. Mm-hmm. And nothing makes me happier than to be highly chromatic, kind of this Germanic, you know, almost second Viennese school kind of <laughs> angular chromaticism and a bit of Bill Evans in there or whatever, you know, yeah. it's, it's really nice, it works. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we can do anything, yeah. we can do anything and we should. So never, never, ever listen to other people crit- critiquing what you do. They have a right to critique it. They have a right to not dig it. That's fine. Yeah. But don't be uh, put off by that. Don't ever yeah. listen to that as, oh, I guess they're right. You know, I, no. Yeah. Or d- don't, don't let them tell you you shouldn't do that. That's right. Right. Um, and for a long yeah. time, I think the music world I grew up in when I was younger was that world where you were get, giving you were given very distinct messages of what was approved of and what wasn't. And that's very stultifying. So yeah, I, I got so a lot of those sorts of messages uh, in, in my education as well. And, you know, I'm, I've only been out of undergrad for 12 years. How many years? Um, a few years. <laughs> a couple. Um, and, you know, I came to New York and I, I studied here, you know, both in, in school and out. And I still, you know, even in the, the 2000s, have continued to hear that from from people in, you know, like teacher, mentor type people will, will still sort of try to box you in. Um, and yeah. it, that that's not always healthy. It's usually, I would take it a yeah. step further. Not <laughs> only is it not yeah. always I would say it's really it's not healthy. Never healthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and there's, there are good reasons. Listen, there are good reasons when you're in school that, for mm-hmm. instance, a good teacher will ask you to write in every style possible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I remember doing this in school. You know, you had to write Baroque. You had to sound like mm-hmm. Beethoven. You had to sound like Chopin. You had to do speak counterpoint. All, you know, everything, right? Yeah. That's all good because to un- you want to understand it from mm-hmm. the standpoint, from the inner workings of it, of how, of how that music is put together. And that's great. But in terms of your own voice, you know, teacher, sorry about the phone. Must be the same person who just called you. <laughs> I heard <something> before. <laughs> um, call from, goodness gracious, the phones are exploding. Um, I just got a new phone set. I kid you not, I just put this together last night. My new phones, oh. the old ones finally died after like 10 years. And I haven't gotten all the handsets set so that they shut up and stop telling that they're ringing into the calls from. Anyway, this will stop uh, at some point. It's stopping now. It drives me nuts. Technology. Anyway, Yay. thank you. I've got four handsets around the house, and they're all like, blah. Um, but, the, but the point is, <laughs> back as I was saying, 
that when it, it's one thing to learn all these things and have and have instructors tell you, you know, we, it's important for you to understand all these things. It's another thing when you're coming in, let's say, as a you know, 21 year old student, uh, and showing your teacher your work, and then they're kind of slashing and burning, <laughs> saying, "Oh, this is wrong. This is wrong stylistically." Mm -hmm. um, that's that's not cool. It's like, come on, you know, you've got they've got their voice, you've got your voice, yeah. and it should all be respected. There are certainly really good ways of, of looking at a piece of music that might not be well structured, right? Mm -hmm. And saying, you know, this motive fine is fine. The style you're writing in is this. If this is how you're hearing, is absolutely mm -hmm. fine. But there are better ways to say what you're saying. Let me show you kind exactly. of ways you can turn this on or that on its ear, move this down a little bit here, you know, somebody without shutting them down. And I think that anybody who shuts another artist down, it's not helpful. No. Especially because it's at the most vulnerable time in our lives when we're younger and just trying to find our way and find our voice. It's a lot easier when you're my age and you've been doing this for a long time and you have a reasonable mm -hmm. amount of self-esteem about what you do mm -hmm. it's you know someone was to, to say eh, that's terrible it's like fine i mean you can think that that's fine but it doesn't hurt my feelings so much because you know <laughs> I hear, you write what you hear i'll write what i hear so exactly. it doesn't bother me so much but i think i would have been in tears at age 19 you mm -hmm. know if somebody had criticized me like that because we're very vulnerable then it's a it's a different thing you know composing is a very different thing when you're younger than it is when you're older um it's it, it so many aspects uh, i joke often that composing at this stage you know or at any age your age included as an adult it's it's a faith-based <laughs> pursuit <laughs> yeah because you could be you know the deadlines are looming right and you're terrified that you have to come up with something ideally if not friggin brilliant you know <laughs> it's got to be fabulous but you can never say that to yourself otherwise you'll, you'll torture yourself but you have to come up with something for a lot of people in often a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it can, and, you, and you're staring at the blank page or whatever, and, and it can be absolutely terrifying, except for the thing that gets you through is the thought that, you know, I have never missed a deadline. It's always worked out fine. Mm -hmm. No one's ever put me in jail for bad music, you know, mm -hmm. right? I'm trying to tell them or ask for their money back or any of that. <laughs> it will happen again. And so you have faith, even in that 11th hour when you haven't hit upon the right, mm -hmm. you know, motive or theme or idea for your piece you have to have faith that it will indeed come you know what it does it mm -hmm. just it always shows up when you need it to show up sometimes it means you have to get up and do something else and walk away from it for a while yeah. but it does show up and it shows up in time that kind of faith that we can have now as adults who've written a lot of music you you don't have that faith when you're 19 because you haven't written a lot of music under a lot of chances, under a lot of deadlines at that point in your life. So it is truly terrifying. And that's when you have to prove to yourself just by doing it, that you can do it. That's when you find out if you are well suited for this life and this job description. Because uh, by the time you're older, you know that you can do it. <laughs> but you know you can do it. <laughs> I don't think it ever stops being terrifying, but it's a fun kind of terror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's that, it's that jumping off. How yeah, we're back to jumping off. We're yeah. back where we start. This is jump. Yeah, take a risk. It's my other big thing. I say this in every interview because it's so important for people to hear. If you know, get out of your comfort zone, at least just a little bit. When somebody comes to you with an idea or a project or a commission or something that they'd like you to consider doing, 
you know, your first reaction might be, oh, my gosh, I could never do that, or I have no idea how to do that. But maybe follow it up with your with the second reaction is, why not? <laughs> you know, let me try. Um, because it could open up whole new worlds to you. As, and that's exactly what happened to me with band music. You know, I had certainly was not seeking a career writing or a secondary career writing band music. And um, it came completely out of the blue. And it has ended up being a happy place for me in addition to all the other stuff. I never would have guessed that in a million years if you told me I'd be writing all this band music. So, you know, take a risk. Take a risk. It's usually, it usually works out great. And if it doesn't, as I often say, no one's going to die. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> it's not like being a brain surgeon. <laughs> We are clear. You know, don't take so many risks. Thank you very much. If you're going to take a risk, do not take it on my brain. Thank you very yeah, much. Really, really. I, like, I like it the way it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Artistic brain surgery. <laughs> well, since we're coming up on a, a we're, we're approaching an hour here, uh, I wanted to sort of wrap things up with uh, one of the last things. I think it's the last thing, maybe you say in your article. Uh, the, yeah. the two words simply be kind. And I think that's that's yeah. great career advice. And I think kind of to bring this back to the idea of, um, you know, business mindset and the, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, I think kindness is the one thing that when we talk, so many of us, when we talk about what is it that, you know, a business does, um, you know, as artists, we are small business people, like quite simply, we publish our own works, that's a business. And, you know, that's what makes us an entrepreneur. Um, but when we think about business, we think of, you know, the guys in the suits who, you know, are trying to take over some like little mom and pop thing. And it's all very cloak and dagger and, and very, you know, the corporate espionage and, and the, like lack of morality, lack of ethics, uh, just being a dick, that sort of a thing, you know. And then we talk about marketing. We think of the, the used car salesman. We think of the telemarketer, the hard the hard sell. But what so much I think what so much of this is it like you know you, you say a lot um, about you know being like making those relationships. It's a, so much about being kind to other people. Uh, you know, and we, I know you've said many times uh, as well, composers are not in competition with one another. Sometimes it may feel like it when, when we're, we're up for the same award, but in, in, in the real world, in the real world of music and, and putting ourselves out there, we don't compete. And the, the way that we all get ahead is by being kind and being supportive and generous because our, that, that rising tide raises all boats. That's right. It's, there's no more important thing to personhood in a happy life than that. And yeah. and that includes surrounding yourself with people who treat you kindly as well. Mm -hmm. That don't surround yourself with people who are not kind and gracious and, and, and uh, thoughtful. Mm -hmm. That if you can avoid spending time with people like that, you will have a happier life. I, I'm pretty good at shutting those people out of my life. Mm -hmm. um, Unfortunately, I haven't had to do it very much. I'm very lucky that I seem to be surrounded with magnificent people. Uh, but, you know, occasionally you come across a bad egg and somebody is just going to, you know, want to try to drag you and everybody else down with them. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, 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 no. Just yeah. walk away. But um, the, the, the thing about kindness is that there is really no other way to form these relationships of which we speak in our world. Uh, why would anybody want to spend time with you or your music if you if you weren't 
putting forth kind of a you know a generous spirit of uh, being being connectable connected to. It's there are many um, uh, many people who completely uh, defy what I've just described and are doing fine. But my version of a happy life is to is to be very thoughtful about other people and what do they need, what and what matters to them. And to and to have my relationships based on that. It doesn't mean I don't have my selfish moments. I am not perfect, <laughs> but I I really do try a lot to think about other other people and, and what their needs are and what their context is. And if they say something, what's the context of where they're coming from that they're saying that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but bringing out the best in everybody is is a very important thing to to do one's best to to bring light to people as opposed to negativity and darkness. Mm-hmm. And it and again, it doesn't mean that I don't have a snarky negative side. Everybody does. <laughs> but it's a matter of and that's sort of fun, right? After that third glass of wine. But you know, it's ultimately it's it's really nice to kind of keep that in check and um and to and to rise above and put and hold your standards very high mm-hmm. about what you're what you want to represent in, in this world and what you want to hold dear to your heart. Um, I think it's got to be very hard for parents of young kids right now mm-hmm. in their house. And if they're looking at some of the crap going on, whether it's in our political campaigns or uh, you know, anything else in the world, and you just see the behavior on television, uh, we don't have a TV. I haven't had a TV in a decade. So, but I'm not unaware of the world around me, obviously. I have the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I look aghast at the stuff. I mean, I sound like a little old lady at this point, but I, I look aghast at the, the stuff that these young minds mm-hmm. are being exposed to as yeah. being sort of the norm because they're all yeah. in the media or lack thereof, the ethics or lack thereof um, to which they're being exposed and that are seeping into their consciousness. I worry deeply who these people are going to be by the time they're in college and mm-hmm. beyond. You know, they're being exposed to such a base and terrible and dark and nasty level of what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. And I, I would like to to think that we can get get past that as a species, but I think it's going to be something. By which time we, we will have killed ourselves off and something else will take our place. <laughs> that will be kinder, a kinder version of our species will take over. Um, I'm off my soapbox now. Don't worry. But anyway, this is this stuff concerns me, you know. And I address it in my music to some degree. I mm-hmm. I, I find a way to have this conversation, but it worries. Me. I think that we're reaching a bit of a tipping point in our society, and 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 the things that media chooses to reflect back to mm-hmm. us uh, or amplify, mm-hmm. right? Fear. <laughs> Hatred, ugliness, uh, bigotry that is so it's it exists in society and then it is amplified by the media and aggrandized and then thrown right back more fear, yeah. more fear and it creates a tremendous ugliness and a, and a, and a tremendous problem for our for our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't know what the next step is going to be, but yeah. it's 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 a, it's challenging. So the anic- the um, antidote to that, as far as I'm concerned lies within each one of us as an individual yeah. that you, maybe you can't control the rest of the world. You can't, you can certainly control your, our, yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And how you are in the world. And what I find and you find is that when you're kind to somebody, it changes their day and they'll turn around and maybe be kind to the next person or they're already a very kind person and they're just you know, inspired to also continue to be very kind. It, it does work like that. Um, yeah. 
And that's very powerful. So I do believe that each one of us has a lot of power to affect good things in, in the world around us. Yeah, I really yeah. believe that. Yeah, Music yeah. is, of course, uh, yeah, within the, the world at large, we as artists can help to you know foster those things, and within our own community to 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 foster that uh, that that kindness, that generosity, that can only be a positive thing. There, there's there's almost no situation where being kind and being generous um, is, is going to be is a bad choice <laughs> right. if, unless, unless you're dealing with someone who's like already a bad person and they're going to take advantage of you and then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then we can worry oh my god is this person a bad person and then it's and then you walk away <laughs> and then you, then you don't <laughs> walk away but uh yeah i mean i think that this whole conversation dennis is really fun in terms of pointing out just by the flow of the conversation, how interconnected everything is, mm -hmm. how holistically, organically connected music yeah. and personhood, and life and life choices mm -hmm. are. It's, yeah. it's all, we see it all as one big flow. It's not here I am living this life and oh, by the way, then I write music. You know, yeah. it's not, yeah. they're not, uh, they're not uh, compartmentalized. It's all one thing, it's all connected. The music is com completely connected to the sea. Whether I'm writing about this, there are whales coming toward me. But I'm not making this up. There are whales uh, on their way here. <laughs> the orcas, the killer. We have three resident pods of orcas here oh, wow. on sound in the sound. And uh, and I, I have the big salmon banks is where a lot of salmon hang out, and that's what these orcas like to eat. So I get a front row seat. And if if you guys whoever's watching, friend me on Facebook, or go to my blog notesfromthekelp.com. Uh, either way, and you'll see a lot of pictures, including whales jumping up in front of me as I'm working. <laughs> so I'm headed this way. We will be done with this broadcast by the time they appear. But <laughs> on Facebook <laughs> yes, for <yes>. whales. <laughs> see how many composer interviews you're going to throw at the end. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's one of the it's one of the holistic aspects of of my uh, of my writing life for for which I am deeply grateful. Mm. And I'm also grateful for your friendship, Dennis. And it's delightful oh. that you're starting this podcast and you know and getting it going. And I think this will be a string of really terrific conversations. Jennifer Jolly is your next guest, I think. Yeah, she's yeah, we're, fabulous. We're, we're at the exact timing for next week, so I'm I'm really excited to talk to her. And thank thank you for being my my first guest. Um, everyone out there in in listener land, I didn't actually tell Alex she was my first guest until like. <laughs> Half an, like until we met to start this. It's like, oh yeah, you're setting the tone for this. Oh, it's only uphill from here, folks. <laughs> We're setting the baseline, and now it'll get better. Don't don't let this put you off from Dennis's podcast. Okay? It will only get better from here. I promise. <laughs> well, thank you, Alex, for, for 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 doing this, and and for you know your generosity with with being here, and and with you know your generosity with uh, that. The, the workshops that which is how we met i mean if if it weren't for for you doing that and and for people you know like uh, everyone you've, you've worked with doing those things I, you know we wouldn't have met and i think a lot of composers young young and and not young would would have a much harder time figuring out their path uh so, we so got thanks. to share all this information well thank you and uh and uh, so uh, we can... oh go ahead we just our binary uh, information got crossed. So you go yeah. ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, in, in addition to notes from the kelp, uh, where we can find you at alexshapiro.org. And is there anywhere else? 
Facebook, I'm usually pretty active on Facebook, except when I'm under a lot of deadlines and then I'm not posting as much. Uh, but uh, but yeah, those three things tend to be kind of my my life. I haven't I, I need to update the blog more frequently than I do. Uh, but I'm an amateur wildlife photographer, and it's something that I love to do. And I'm basically the Jane Goodall of composers in that I sit here for long periods of time, the way she would sit in the bush waiting for the gorillas to come to her. <laughs> or the chimpanzees, and I, I just sit here, and because of my work, you know, I'm watching, and all the animals come to me, which is amazing, and so I always have my cameras at hand, and so if you're curious what the Pacific Northwest wildlife looks like, uh, log on to any of my sites, so, and you can hear my music, too. What a concept. Yeah, and it's, and it's all good music. Thank you. So thanks, Dennis. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll end the broadcast here. So stick around for a minute. And uh, okay. thank you again for being here. Another thank you to Alex for being on the show. A big thanks to my husband, Darian Shulman, for writing the show's theme music. And thank you for tuning in and listening. Again, you can find this week's show notes and links at musicpublishingpodcast.com slash mpp1. Join me in episode two, where I talk with composer Jennifer Jolly about rejection and collaboration, next time on the Music Publishing Podcast. Music.